Welcome to C-Suite Radio. The Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by the Cheap Seat Entertainment Network. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Happy Sunday. Welcome into another episode of the podcast. It's great to be here with you today. Michael Dvorzon is on the show. He is the star of the brand new A&E Network's Lifetime movie, Her Deadly Groom, and he plays a really good bad guy. We're going to talk about that on the show today. And are bad guys misunderstood? That's the question that we're going to tackle, plus many other things. And we have more great episodes coming to you in the weeks to come. So thank you for listening and joining. If you love the show, head over to Apple Podcast. And leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help. Five stars, just a line or two. Also, leave your Twitter handle or something like that, and we will give you a shout-out on the podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to email us, openmicguest at gmail.com. And thank you so much for loving us and enjoying the show. Here is our guest, Michael Devorzon. Thank you, Brett. Thanks for having me. Well, I am excited to chat with you because you have a brand new film that is getting ready to come out. Uh, it's A&E's Her Deadly Groom, and it's going to be premiering on Lifetime here on the 26th of July. So if we are like anybody in the country right now and we need more content to binge on, there is another fun film coming out that we can do her deadly groom let's talk about it a little bit because you've done a lot of different projects i love you in the death race series it's just such a fun film and uh this is an equally exciting film let's talk about the movie what people can expect uh when they watch it without giving too much away obviously and uh and that sort of thing my friend yeah um well thanks i appreciate that and uh yeah so her deadly groom it's a it's a classic i would describe it as a classic thriller um and um it's got lots of uh you know twists and turns uh even when i i remember reading the script i was like this is this is a really good script it's got you know uh it, it had lots of uh twists and turns in the in the storyline and and um um and and it was a and it was a great character to to take on so um but back to your question of what what do i think uh the audience can expect i think you'll see a nice blend of um uh of a thriller and some romance and um and some uh menacing uh danger yeah, that's an understatement. Now, I've had <laughs> I've had the privilege of watching the film and ironically have been a part of the online dating world. So, I could tell you it was a little close to home on some <laughs> levels when it came to, to to and I joke, but for real, uh, you know, and we're not really giving too much away, but uh, you know, the story basically is about a person getting into the online dating world and it kind of takes off from there. So what drew you to this particular project and script? What, what made you go, this is something 
that uh, I have to take on as an actor because it's fantastic. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, well, he's a very, you know, he's a very complex character and, and, um, you know, those are always, uh, you know, interesting roles uh, to take on, but I really, you know, I really like the duality of uh, my character, which is that he's very much the romantic leading man type and appears to be this ideal guy, but he has this other dark side, you know? And, and, and so I thought that would be really, um, really interesting to get to, to play with that, to play with, you know, uh, being the, the romantic lead and then also uh, seeing this character in, in this other light, which is a, which is a very dark uh, menacing uh, psychopath of a, of a character, and so yeah, I thought that was a, that was you know very appealing to me, and and uh, you know I I learned that we all have the light and the dark in us, and so uh, I feel fortunate that I have both the light and the dark in me. So so uh, I am able to, and I and I I obviously hope that I did justice to to the character, but um, you know I do have the ability to. Uh, be very light and also very intense and very dark. And so it's, it's just kind of like embracing, embracing both of those uh, sides of myself. Yeah. I, I find it interesting when an actor like yourself is able to live in both of those worlds, if that makes any sense, because you do a great job of putting on the, the performance of, of kind of being able to do both, which leads me to an interesting question about good and evil in films, and I've had this conversation with other actors before, and I would love to get your perspective on it. Outside of like the obvious types of things, do you think in some cases the bad guy, quote unquote, is often perhaps maybe a misunderstood type of character? Yeah, the question is is is, is the bad guy you know on screen a misunderstood character? Um, yes, I I think uh, yes, I I think as an audience. Uh, you know, remember when we watch these characters, sometimes we kind of assess them and um, sometimes we like the bad guys. Sometimes we like them and we don't like them. Sometimes we just don't like them. You know, there's, there's a, there's a wide range of what, um, you know, obviously the best bad guys, um, you know, are always, I think the ones that you, there's something about them you kind of like, even though they're just rotten scoundrels, you know, uh, there's, 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 there's something about him. But as far as the, the, the interesting thing about playing a bad guy, a real psychopath, like this character is, is that he doesn't think that he's a bad guy. You know what I mean? That's the thing about a lot of bad guys is they don't think, they don't think they're bad guys. They're just doing what they do to get what they want. And they, you know, and there's that sense of normalcy, like, uh, that I talk about a lot, which is, which is as humans, you know, we're such creatures of habit, like, whatever a human or a character's, you know, normal life is becomes very normal to them. This is the way they operate. They're, they kind of, uh, you know, lose touch with reality to, to, um, to a certain extent. So Vincent Black, the character in this movie, yes, he is, um, you know, a psychopath and, and, and a very dangerous guy. But uh, if we were to sit down and talk with him, he probably wouldn't have that point of view. probably not you know yeah no he would you know this is just kind of how he operates you know uh so i don't did that answer the question yeah no i think that's fantastic response and and i like it because you know that's something it's existential in some sort of way 
because I've never heard it put that way before, where have you ever considered sitting down, the idea of sitting down with a bad guy or a psychopath who doesn't have the ability to feel emotion or the ability to to build connections and relationships? I think, you know, it, it actually brought to my mind the TV show Dexter that was so popular, you know, several years ago, where that character who was classified as such a psychopath, you know, was unable to connect and have emotion, right, and build relationships. But then eventually it wound up happening. And the same goes for your character in this particular show or this movie where he's able to do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's very true. Maybe he doesn't think that way. And uh, it's a great film, to be honest. I love it. I like a good Lifetime movie. And so when I was presented with the opportunity to watch this and to sit down with you and have a conversation about it, I was very much looking forward to it because it's just a lot of fun. And uh, I'm glad it's coming out for the world to see here. It'll be out here in a couple of weeks. And so if you're a Lifetime movie fan, this is definitely one for the books, right, uh, that people need to watch and to be a part of. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about this quarantine and all of this craziness that's been going on in our world. What has quarantine life been like for you? What has kept you occupied and, and filled your time up? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting time um, to be alive on planet Earth, no doubt about it. And um, I'll tell you that when we uh, first got quarantined, which was back in, in mid-March, very quickly what what came to me was is this, this is an incredible opportunity to do a lot of the stuff that I had been putting off a lot of the, the inner work and a lot of the stuff, you know, in this day and age, and especially living in a, you know, a, a metropolitan city like Los Angeles, like everything's moving so quickly. Uh, everybody's so busy. There's emails, there's social media, there's phones, the text messages. There's, you know, it's, it's very easy to get too busy to do certain things that you've been wanting to do. And so, you know, uh, a week or 10 days into the quarantine, I said, okay, um, there's nowhere to run anymore. So, so let me just stop and breathe and like do some of the, you know, some of the inner work that, that, you know, a lot of times I'm too busy to do, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'm too busy. I got to get, you know, so for me, that was a, a lot of reading and different spiritual practices, including um, uh, breathwork meditation, and and uh, and I'm an avid practitioner of, of Iyengar yoga. So I did a lot of, um, you know, I've been on a spiritual journey for for about 18 years now, and and uh, this was just a really great opportunity to, to dig into some of that. Uh, to some of that stuff. In addition to that, as far as, uh, you know, creatively keeping busy, I, you know, I'm also a writer. I've written uh, three feature sc uh, screenplays and, um, and a, and a 30 minute uh, pilot uh, for television. So I spent some time um, uh, working on those scripts and then I come, you know, from uh, a long line, three generations of, of uh, musicians and songwriters and stuff. And, uh, you know, I finally, after all these years, you know, I've always wanted to write a song. I started waking up in the middle of the night, according to my mom, just like my dad, you know, the <laughs> songwriter, music composer. I started wake, I started waking up in the middle of the night with these mel melody ideas, and I started recording them on my iPhone. And, and uh, you know, I'd just wake up at four in the morning, and I'd start, you know, singing a singing a melody. And then uh, uh, 
I have two younger brothers, and, and uh, they're both very musical. But my younger brother is very active as a, as, a, as a writer and musician. So I sent him. I said, what do you think, man? You know? And he said, I love them. And then so, you know, we started uh, over Zoom. uh working on a song so i've i've started uh, you know writing my my first song and we're you know we're we're a few sessions into it and i i really like uh, the direction that it's going but you know it's something i've always wanted to do for fun it's in my it's in my dna you know again one of those things i've always just put off that's some of what i've been doing during the quarantine yeah, it sounds like you've definitely kept yourself busy, which is great. For me, it's been interesting because I am a single dad, so I've been spending a lot more time with my son than I had planned on, so to speak, if that makes any sense. So, you know, we've, we've yeah. kind of been keeping ourselves busy doing other projects and just really digging into learning about life. He just turned six. So, you know, it's been a good experience in that way. I feel like that with this quarantine it kind of put everybody on the same playing field, right? Like we were all doing these different things, you know, at whatever level the case might be. And now we're just all kind of in timeout together, right? Does it feel like that way to you maybe on some level or, you know, it sounds like you've kept a positive spin on it, which I think is great and admirable that you've been able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's great that you, that you've been able to spend more time with your kids. I'm sure there's a lot of parents, you know, I mean, I, I do have <laughs> friends that have four kids and now they've been, you know, they've been, there's no more camp. There's no more music lessons. There's no more soccer practice. It's like, you know, and you know, they're, they're going through it pretty hard. Um, I, I, yeah, I've tried to keep a positive spin on it, but yeah, but also at the same time, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm very concerned about our country and I'm yes. very concerned about our world. And, 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 and this has been uh, a time where there is a, um, you know, a collective energy going around, which I, I, I feel is, is very fueled by fear, you know, fear, fear of what's going to happen, you know, and, and, um, so it's been a very challenging time, uh, you know, I mean, for me during this time, as well as I know for a lot of uh, other people to varying degrees and definitely, you know, my, my heart does go out to uh, people, you know, that are really suffering during this time. And, and there are, you know, people that have lost loved ones and have not been able to be by their side when they lost. So it's, it's, it's been a very, you know, it's been a very painful time uh, at, at, the, at the same time. Um, but I do think, uh, looking at it from perhaps a positive uh, perspective, is is that you know this this was the universe calling a timeout for the world. You know what I mean? It, it, I do believe that that the universe this was the universe's way of saying stop mm -hmm. everybody across the board and every city and every country timeout. You know, and and so we were literally forced, you know, into a into a timeout. You know, when we were kids and we were bad in school, we had to go have a timeout in the corner. Well, the the universe put us all in the corner for a timeout. You know, let's take a deeper look at what we're doing as human beings. Let's take a deeper look at the, you know, um, our city, our community, our country, the world. Are we coming together to do better or are we, you know, just fueling our, our self-serving needs, you know? And so, um, uh, yeah, I, I do feel like it's definitely been that, that big giant timeout that's very hard to, uh, to get unless something like this happens. Yeah, it's been interesting for sure. It sounds like, though, you've got 
a lot of fantastic things coming on. And I wanted to talk to you about the state of the industry. I know there has been a lot of different conversations that have come up about it. But from your perspective of opinion, do you feel like that it's going to be easy for things to pick back up again and start filming? What are kind of your thoughts on it? Have you heard anything? Have you been able to start working yet? Like, what is your perspective of how the industry will pick up and move on from this crazy hit that it has taken because of the pandemic? I think it's going to take some time. Um, and uh, uh, my, my, my thoughts on it are, well, I, you know, I've, I've been in, you know, in, in talks to do a couple of different movies. Um, I think they would start in September or something like that. But these are smaller movies, you know, and so I, I feel I think the great unknown right now is, is is what's going to happen with major motion pictures and what's going to happen with television series. For example, series that have been, you know, they're going into their third or fourth season. They've got their series regulars, you know, in, in place. It, it, it seems to me that it's going to be complex to go back to work because if um, one of your regular cast members goes down, it, you know, you can shoot around them for a certain point, but it's just, it's going to be tricky, you know? And then if you take major motion pictures with, 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 with major stars, you know, um, uh, it becomes complicated. If, you know, one of the, if, if the star goes, goes down, you know, uh, for health reasons, it's, it's hard. I've heard, what I will before I go on to tell you what I what I've heard is, is I do think it's a great time for independent filmmakers. Yes, I agree. Because if you yeah if you're making films on a you know on a on a on a smaller budget and are more contained and stuff like that, like I think those are going to be the first, and that's what I'm seeing is the first projects that are that are going back to work. And so I, I think as long as the guidelines you know are um, you know, uh, respected, I think independent filmmaking is, is going to do pretty well right now. The big, you know, the big blockbusters, you know, I mean, think about big blockbusters where they've got, you know, 5,000 extras. Like yep. you can't do that. No. It's not going to happen. Not at all. It's not going to happen. You know, um, I've heard, I did hear through um, a talent manager, that she heard on some of these bigger films. And of course, if you've, if you've got the, you know, the money to do this, it's, it's going to look something like they will fly the cast and crew out uh, weeks in advance and everybody will be quarantined, not allowed to leave their rooms, et cetera, et cetera. And it'll be very contained. And then they'll start shooting. Just kind of like what like the NBA was doing. Like they're in a, they're in a bubble, you know, they're in a bubble for a period of time leading up to shooting. And that could possibly work. Yeah. But the bottom line is, I think it's going to take some time, Brett. I think it's going to take some time to figure it out. I think we're going to uh, learn as we go, and we're going to see like what, what can be done. And, and then, Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what winds up happening. And I appreciate your honesty and your perspective. And I've heard that from other folks as well, that this is kind of the golden age for the independent-type films who might only have a crew of 10 or 15 Versus, let's say, a popcorn film for the summer, right? That has a crew of 300 and, you know, there's 5,000 extras. There's, you know, New York City is is under siege by aliens. How are you going to do that under quarantine, right? Are people, is everybody going to wear a mask? <laughs> you know, I mean, how is that going to work? Like the theme of the film now is like, okay, everybody has a mask and we're going to start 
writing that. And every film now that comes out for the next two years, it's all going to be quarantine themed, right? That's going to be the new trend. First, it was maybe natural disasters, and then it was earthquakes, and now it's quarantine movies, and everybody's got a mask, right? It's just, it'll be interesting. You know, I've heard comedians that I've had on joke about that, and they're like, well, it's going to be quarantine, uh, you know, material now for the next year. So uh, I'm just going to yeah, yeah, that's that, Yeah, that's that's actually interesting. I, I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> are we going true. to the question is, are we going to see more movies with people with masks on? Right. Yeah. I mean, event. talk about art imitating life. Right. Uh, this will definitely be in that realm. Well, I have one last question for you, my friend. This has just been a lot of fun. Okay. And I want to talk to you about how the industry has changed since you started. And from to now, if there was one piece of advice that the more seasoned Michael could give the younger version of yourself that would have changed your trajectory or maybe caused you to do things differently, what would that piece of advice be, if any? Um, so, hmm, yeah, I mean, no, the industry has changed a lot. I, um, I'll, I'll obviously first speak to that. I mean, when I, when I started working in the industry, I started working in production for uh, for a television show and and I saw the way you know they worked they would shoot an, an, an ep, uh, you know one episode a week Monday through Friday and then all of the motion pictures at that time were were, were shot on film you know uh, 35 millimeter uh, six, uh, even some of the smaller movies could be shot on 16 millimeter but it was shot on film it was very expensive to shoot and and um, you know nowadays and it's it's been that way for quite a while once we went into we went into the digital age um you know now primarily most filmmakers are making films on uh using H hd cameras and 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 the luxury of that is is it doesn't cost uh, cost a fraction of what it does cost to shoot on film and you can um if you have the luxury of time you can do 50 takes you know, on film, doing 50 takes, you know, it's been done, but, but that gets very, very expensive. So, you know, with the high def cameras, um, you can do a lot of takes and, um, and everybody's kind of become a filmmaker to some extent. There's, there's, you know, obviously different levels of, of high def cameras. Um, uh, and if you, everybody wants something, I mean, I still love the look of film. The look of film is still great. And there's some directors that still shoot with it, Tarantino and some, uh, and there's, there's a few, um, but they've gotten really good. I mean, some of the high end uh, uh, digital cameras, they, they, they look really good. They look comparable to a, to a, to a film camera. Um, so yeah, I think in, in this day and age, it's actually a great time because you can make films on, on, on a much smaller budget than you used to be able to uh, shooting on film. And um, as far as advice that I would give to my younger self, well, you know, uh, that's that's actually a, 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 an interesting question. But you know, I was I was pretty wild when I was a kid. So when I got in the business, um, you know, I was a little bit all over the place. And and uh, so you know, uh, advice to my younger self would have been to to be more focused, to take my craft more seriously. You know, to not waste not waste time. You know, when you're young, you just think you have you know, time is irrelevant. And, uh, you know, the life of an artist is, uh, it's, it's, it's challenging. It's beautiful. And it's, and it's also challenging. And I think the, the best advice I can give to, to, to any artist is, 
is, you know, if you love doing what you do, you know, just never give up. You know, there is, there is an element of luck and there is, uh, to this business and, and, um, staying persistent and, and, and staying in the game and, uh, you know, getting up no matter how many times you, you get rejected and just, uh, staying the course and trying not only to become a better artist, but become a better human being. And I think somewhere in there you can create, um, some luck for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that answer. And I've heard it often described by other folks in your craft is it's like being born into the circus, you know, you're just part of this ragtag group of people who have set out to create this art, this art form as a pilgrimage. And you want to perhaps change the industry that you want it to be and, and to, and to leave everybody better than when you found them. And I, I definitely get that vibe from you. I love all of your work. I, I've been following you for a long time. And so, when again, when I was told I had the privilege to, to talk to you for a little bit and interview you about this new fantastic film and, and talk about some of the other things you've done, um, I, I was super privileged and excited about it. If people want to connect with you on social media and follow you and see uh, what fun things you're up to, uh, Michael, how can they do that? Yeah, so I'm I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and my my handle is Michael D V Z M I C H A E L D like David V like Victor Z like Zebra. Fantastic, and uh, that's where I am. And yeah, I love to, love to connect with people. Always, uh, I find there's so much to learn from from people. So and yeah, I'd love to, love to connect with anybody. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. And the film is Her Deadly Groom. It premieres on Lifetime, July 26th. Tune in to it. Don't miss. Sit, set your DVRs, grab your popcorn, and uh, gear up for a fun and exciting new thriller. For Michael, thank you, sir, for being on the show today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Brett. I really, really, really appreciate you having me on. It was great. I really enjoyed it. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Today's episode of the Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by Cheap Seat Entertainment.